Hello and welcome to Roundtable number 11 of Duelist Community. I can't free you. I can't say anything or, or do anything that makes you any more free than you are right now. Because really, it just comes down to your perception of yourself and how free you feel and how well you can recognize in yourself that there isn't anything that's actually imprisoning you besides your own perceptions and your own ideas and the own your own limitations that you place upon yourself that limits that freedom. So I'm not a teacher, not a guru. Nothing I say can actually change you. The change that you experience comes down to you. If something you hear from me or Ray or anyone resonates with you, that's on you. And through taking that responsibility for the insights you experience and how well you can resonate with certain things is what will allow you to experience that freedom more often, more efficiently. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, it's a, it's a fun process of doing so. I will say that. And I'm inspired by our listener the person who has been listening to this podcast for however long. And it's just because as Andrew is saying, we're not giving you an easy out. We're not giving you someone to follow. We're not giving you 12 steps to enlightenment. We're not doing any of that. We're just having a conversation and leaving it to you. And that takes courage. It takes strength and it takes the willingness to not look for a shortcut because that's often what a belief is. That's often what many different coping mechanisms are. That's often what different types of ego are. They're just shortcuts to some fiction of happiness that doesn't last because it's not actually based in reality. And so to you and all the work that you've done to get here, it's inspiring. Keep doing it. The entire reason that we are here is for people like you with the strength to not need to attach to someone as a teacher. So we're very grateful and you do inspire us. Continue to do so. So with all of that said, I hope you enjoy this live stream that is roundtable number 11 of Duelist Community. And there we are, roundtable number 11. I'm very excited. The last roundtable went really well and this one is of course going to go just as well. For everybody who is just joining us, Thank you so much for being here. Of course, you are. if you are in the comments section while this is being recorded live, you can actually participate in this roundtable by asking questions or offering subjects, and we will do our best to cover them as they come up and discuss them as we find interest in them. No promises, of course, of course. And so today we are joined by Mark, who was with us last time, and of course, Amanda, who people always know because she's such a fundamental part of dualistic unity on the discord and of course she's been in a previous episode and she's always in our groups and amanda it was at the last retreat will be at this retreat and all the remaining retreats because again she is fundamental to dualistic unity so hi everyone how you doing mark i'm great just got back from a workout and a busy day at work so i'm hopped up so i'm great <laughs> beware that's awesome that's awesome. I love it. I love the energy for sure. And Amanda, how about you? I'm doing fantastic. I I love to show up because it's just so much fun. So you you've got me. You've got me pegged. You can pretty much find me at something related to dualistic unity for the rest of my life, unless I am dead or in jail. You know, one of those two things might keep me from a meeting. 
unless they happen for dualistic unity, in which case you're always there in spirit. I'm just saying, pulling, pulling out all the stops, right? But um, thank right. you both for being here, as always. I do have a gripe, not really a gripe, kind of a celebration, but first I'm going to pass it over to Andrew. Ah, oh, damn, I was, I was getting, getting ready for Ray's gripe. Um, excited for it. But yeah, with, uh, I don't know, with the, with the jail and death stuff, it's funny, like, my perspective on all that has changed quite a bit. And, you know, sometimes people close to me get worried about talking about this stuff pretty openly, because it's not to say that people haven't gotten killed for talking about this stuff in the past, especially, you know, posting things that just make people mad like i fucking i posted a people pleasing video saying how you're actually a chronic manipulator because it's true because the 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 reality of manipulation is just acting in a way hoping for someone to act in a specific way in return and people are like you're victim blaming that's shaming that's so shameful your messages have changed like you're so different now you're being too aggressive and it's like you're just not listening you're just not hearing what's actually being said my messages really haven't changed. They've evolved. They've, they've gotten a little bit more clear over the last two and a half years. But the fundamental core of it, that you're whole and complete as you are, there's nothing you have to change. There's nothing wrong with you whatsoever, hasn't really changed. And just because you point out certain tendencies that people have that are rooted in manipulation, it's not, it doesn't mean I'm saying that they're bad people. Like we, we just, you're the ones connecting manipulation or manipulative behavior to being a bad person. If something's manipulative, it's just manipulative. So anyway, it's it's always fun that anything I post inevitably gets someone angry, someone pissed off. And they're like, in my opinion, you could say this a little bit differently. And I, I'll just put in quotes like, in your opinion is a very, very key part of this. Very important to remember that your opinion is not objective truth. People forget that very often. And I always found it funny, but... Anyway, I'll, that's my little gripe for the morning. I'll throw it over to Ray for, for his gripe today. Oh, no, I'm going to continue on with that one for a short bit, because admittedly, this is probably one of my favorite videos that you've made and some of, the favorite, some of my favorite responses that you've had, because this one's just so on the nail, because you're talking about getting over the urge to people please, because it's manipulative. And ultimately, it's in everyone's best interest to just be honest. And so you have a bunch of people upset with you because you're no longer trying to people please. And thus you're actually practicing the lesson and saying it's better off for everyone and you may not be liked for it. And they're actually giving you the example of the kind of people who won't like you for it. I think it's just funny. And this is why one person I just kept responding like responsibility might be worth looking into because that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to you and your response. You know, if you want somebody to please you over and over and over again, you should ask why, right? And if you're pleasing others, you might want to ask yourself if that's what you want for you. If you want others to please you, because maybe that's the vested interest. Maybe that's what's driving you. So no, I've really enjoyed the response to that video. And it's often the case that people prove exactly the point you're fucking making. Uh, yeah, it's always, always a blast to see the responses to those, but I didn't even think of it like that, that I'm not pleasing to them. I'm not being seen as someone who is catering to their desires anymore. And now they're having gripes with it, which is the exact, I didn't even, I didn't even connect that until 
till now. That makes it even more funny because and they're even saying it like at the comment I mentioned, like, in my opinion, you're being aggressive in this. You're not going to someone said you're not going to reach the masses with messages like this. You have to be be more calm. You can't be as aggressive. It's like, who the fuck said I'm trying to reach the masses? There's a difference between feeling better and getting better. You do realize that, right? And just because something doesn't make you feel good doesn't mean it isn't good for you. So maybe you want to look into that. But Andrew, how are you going to manipulate the world if you're not catering to the masses while you're actually saying we have to stop manipulating one another? And they're saying, well, that doesn't seem like it's a very effective tool for manipulation. Exactly. God damn, that's funny. Do people even fucking read what they write? No, because often they're too busy just trying to feel better. That's the whole point. Like, I couldn't believe the one person that responded to you in terms of the people pleasing thing. And they're justifying that just like, no, no, it's good. They're, they're doing nice things for people and whatnot. And you're like, but what if they're not? Like, what if they're doing it just, just for themselves? Like, you're not listening to my point of view. It's like, I am. You just don't like it. You don't like the point and that's why you're so pissed off. But half the time people will go on these long rants in a response to you and then you respond to them and they just vanish because the whole point was just them wanting to express whatever it was they needed to express to validate their current point of view. It wasn't even about you. It was just about the opportunity to put another nail in that coffin. Exactly. Especially funny for ones like that, where I specifically say we talk about this in more depth in a podcast episode. Are they going to go check it out? Fuck no. Of course not. They're just trying to self-validate and, and get their point across. And they don't give a shit if anyone's going to go back and forth with them whatsoever, which is which is always interesting how much we're just trying to soothe our ourself and validate our point of view as opposed to being willing to question it. And that's what I see with a lot of people that I interact with. They're like, how do you know you're right? It's like, I don't. I'm not the one settling on an answer. You're the one settling on an answer. And then you're getting mad because I'm questioning that answer. And they're like, okay, well, what's your answer? I don't have an answer. I'm just questioning. But I can see some some pitfalls to your answer, some consequences to your answer, not the least of which getting triggered as fuck by me questioning <laughs> that answer, which is always one of the funniest parts. <laughs> Exactly. Would anybody like to throw in here before I start my gripe? Amanda. I just, I love pissing people off. It, it So like, I, I did not watch the people pleasing episode because I'm like the, I like to push buttons and I like to fuck with people because people are so easy to fuck with. And I don't even have to do anything. I could just like look at them and they're like, well, what are you looking at? I was like, I don't know. My eyes just happened to land on you. Should I, should I not look your way? Should I not use words? Like you don't even have to use words and you can make people feel uncomfortable. And it just cracks me up because then I'm like, is that all it takes? Is that all it takes to like rock your boat? Because you could tell me that I'm a fucking asshole and I'd be like, yeah, I'm glad you caught up. I'm glad you noticed, you know? What do I put all this effort in if you're not gonna notice that I'm a motherfucker sometimes, you know? Cause people see one side of me at work or they'll see one side of me here or it, or one particular, they put me in a box and then I, I jeopardize that box. And they're like, well, well, you're making me feel uncomfortable. And I don't like that. And I was like, and I'm sorry. I, the last time I checked, my life wasn't to serve you or to just make you feel comfortable or to be your cushion or your buffer to life and the discomforts of life. Last time I checked, I was living for me. And it looks like you're living for your idea. And I don't really give a fuck about that. So 
do you see do you see me not caring because i think you think i care about your opinion more than i actually do so let me clarify let me let me catch you up because you're you're falling behind you know but i i do love to fuck with people and work gives me the greatest opportunity because i have to fuck with people in ways that are subtle in ways that are like you know obvious but not too obvious you know because i can't i don't want to i don't want to get fired which i have you know so i was like i've learned my lesson we can't be outright motherfuckers but we can be subtle and if we're subtle then they're not really sure and if they're not really sure then i can have a lot more fun and i can enjoy dealing with them being big crybabies about everything and nothing all the time so i might as well make a game out of it fucking with crybabies let's see how fast they can cry we'll see we'll, we'll let's see if we could beat our best time yeah, I agree. And it's not necessarily that you're fucking with people so much as just allowing them to fuck with themselves, just because you're not necessarily catering to the glass house that they live in. And that's it. It's really contrast, right? It's the fact that we're so used to living in this little bubble where nobody jostles us, nobody offends us. And all of a sudden we go out into the world and people are like, the fuck is your problem? And we don't even care. And they're like, I'm not used to that. And it's like, you're welcome because you just got stronger as a result. All of a sudden, your spectrum has changed. You've included more of the world and more of what the spectrum of experience is going to be. And that's really important. But, and we've talked about this, our culture is very much anti-toughening up. That's ableist, right? You really have to just cater to everyone's insecurities. You have to make everyone feel good all the time. And that's terrifying because if we always focus on that, then every little upset seems huge. And if that's not like the worst part of being a teenager, I don't know what is. Because when you're a teenager, everything seems like the end of the fucking world. Everything. And the only way we get out of that is through experience. The only way we get out of that is through recognizing that our petty little problems were petty little problems compared to, say, paying rent or surviving in the world. But if we're never required to face that, if we're never required to go out get some context, go through some hardships, you know, change our spectrum in terms of perspective, then we continue to live in this little bubble and everything's a threat. So at that point, yeah, people are just fucking with themselves and you can do nothing except just be a little goofy and it'll fuck with their whole day because they won't understand. Like Amanda gave the example of looking at someone and them wondering like, why, why is she looking at me? Straight up because you could be judging me because maybe you like me and I really need that validation. Maybe I'm just really paranoid. You know, and that's the whole point is that there's all of this stuff going on when in reality, Amanda just glanced your way and then stopped glancing your way. <laughs> Didn't mean a damn thing about you, but our brain really has problems with that because I don't know, it's weird. It's almost like we think that if we stop thinking about ourselves, we would suddenly lose value. possibly i know that i i tend to just be having so much fun in my little bubble but the minute that someone comes into the bubble and they're usually upset i'm like wait what and so then i just instinctually burst their bubble like it just instantly happens because i'm just like i was dancing in public i was singing a cappella i was making a joke with a stranger i was doing anything that felt like i just wanted to do in that moment and the minute that someone comes in and it's like here are my preferences here are my conditions that i never told you about but now you have to submit to and i'm like wait what no how about hard no 
I could care less about your preferences and then watch me fuck all the way off and just do what I was doing, which was living to the beat of my own drum and not doing it to bother anyone, but it just naturally bothers people. And so once they share that discomfort, I'm like, okay, not my problem. Your feelings are here to deal with. Now watch me walk away and act like that moment didn't last, like that moment didn't stick to me. So even when people will see me, they'll get bothered by me. They'll tell me that they're bothered. I say, yeah, okay, that's fine. Not my intention, but you got to deal with those feelings because uh, that looks like it ruined your day. And then I just go about my day like that moment didn't happen. And I like, I shed that moment so quickly. And then they're like, damn, she doesn't give a fuck if I'm mad at her or if I'm not, or if I like her, if I don't like her, why does she not care about my opinion? I was like, because like, I've done that. I've lived for other opinions and it did me no good to cater and to submit and to try to jump through a thousand hoops. And then I was like, set the hoop on fire, watched it turn into a pile of ashes. I was like, fuck the hoop, fuck jumping. I'm going to go do whatever I want to go do. If someone's bothered by it, that's their fucking problem. And it's not my intention, but I'll let you know it's not my problem if you try to make it my problem. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love when people say something like that's offensive. It's like, it's offensive to you it's offensive to you let's let's clear the air here it's not objectively offensive you're just offended and people forget that it's the same thing with like in my opinion it's like your opinion is in fact in fact that is just allowing you to feel a little bit more comfortable about the situation and validate your own things hinder your growth yada 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 but um ray going back to your point of thinking about yourself and and not doing it so much anymore like people don't even fathom doing that almost and i wanted to throw it over to mark because i know you've been on a on a high bit of a high recently through not thinking about yourself very much and i know there's probably a lot of people out there who are listening who will listen to this who are like not think about myself how the fuck would i live would, would i would, could i even survive like well yeah I, I think you could uh so i'd love to hear just a little about your experience with not thinking about yourself so much after having done so for a very long time You know, I'm still kind of evolving in it, um, but it's like every day, I'm just still kind of amazed that all it took was for me to make a decision to think differently. And that, I mean, that's it. You know, and I, I'm trying to remember, oh, what I posted the other night on Discord, I was driving home from picking up some takeout. You know, I ordered a great filet and went and picked it up and uh, and I was driving home and I just started crying because I thought, I just put this shit down. That's all I did. I just set it down. I didn't do anything else. I didn't take any classes. I mean, of course, I've, you know, tried to work on myself for years, you know, whatever, but that still didn't change how self-conscious I was and how every person that threw a glance at me, I thought was judging me and thinking about me for days and, and everything that I had done, which obviously that's not the case. And, uh, but, you know, I was just like, you know, I'm 49 years old. And, uh, you know, a few months ago, I was I just got the I just got the realization that I could actually set it down and I just set it down and walked away. And uh, I've carried this my whole life and it's controlled everything I've done. Every decision I make is bounced off of what someone would think or what they would think about me or or whatever. And I just stopped. And I'm not saying that still doesn't go through my head sometimes. Sure, it does. But it's very fleeting. It's very fleeting. And it, even at this point, I mean, it's it's really not much of a factor. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm still in process and probably always will be. 
and that's fine. But boy, oh boy, if I just stay where I'm at right now, I'm one, you know, as far as compared to the rest of my life. But that's what I keep wanting to tell people. I mean, I, I, I can't tell people you don't have to work through things. I can't tell people you, you, you think you need to work through your trauma. I can't tell you that you don't. But I just can remind you that you can just sit it down. You know, maybe something will come back later at some other point, like it did for Ray in that example we had a few, you know, recently that, you know, you just kind of, it was, you just set it aside for a while. And then later on when the time was right, something came up. That's fine. But, you know, you really don't have to, to move forward right now. You can sit it down. And it is, it's, you know, and it, it's, I'm one of those people that was always like, well, I hear everybody saying that I read all this, but it's not that easy. But then it, it actually is. <laughs> you just have to do it. And, uh, you know, yeah, it takes a little bit to get there, but it is possible. Don't tell me it's not possible because uh, if anybody can do it, I did it. It's possible to just sit it down. Nothing else. Just drop it and go. And uh, no, I'm, I was driving home from the gym today thinking there is nothing about me that is who I was six months ago. Nothing. Not one thing. And wow, what changed? Nothing. That, that's it. So that means that anybody can do it. So yes, you can sit it down. I'm not telling you you have to, but you can. You can do it. God damn, that's inspiring. I love how you put that because that's exactly what it is. And it, I, it made me think that so much of our problem is the fact that we don't know we can settle, we can set it down. And so the weight just compounds over time. It'd be like if you just held, you know, a five pound weight in your hand forever, it would become incredibly hard to hold. Right. And I think that's it. It's not that you're, you're necessarily like bypassing all your trauma, but you're just putting it down until you can get some strength back and then pick it up willingly. Because every time you put your identity back on, every time you put your ego back on, you're putting yourself back in the shit. It's kind of like visiting uh, relatives from when you were young. Immediately, you start to go back to your old habits of how you responded and whatnot. You're like, ah, fuck, I'm back in it. And, and you're not. It's just that you're back in that old habit and back in that environment. So all of your old triggers are there. Same is true as soon as you identify. As soon as you start identifying as you again and your self-concept, all your shit comes back up. But like Mark said, you can put it down. So it's not necessarily bad that it comes up because then you can take it in a bite-sized piece and go, oh, that's interesting. And then put it down and reflect on it. Learn from it. Get rid of it. And then pick everything back up again later, feeling how much lighter it is. But you have to put it down from time to time. And oddly enough, this ties into my gripe because I'm 43 and I've spent years not taking care of myself before I woke up and admittedly in small increments after I woke up. And so a big part of my journey over the last three years has been trying to get back into shape, not back into shape, let's just say, but healthy, which is better because I was living uh, in a mountain town for a long time and the high elevation past asthma, dry air, that whole thing, it made it really difficult for me. And so my health went downhill for years. And I worked at home doing web design or, or life coaching online. So there wasn't a lot of reason for me to get out. So now I'm living on the island, I'm close to sea level, everything's totally different, and I'm feeling more active. And so I get inspired. I'm like, I'm going to go out, do some exercise, I'm going to, you know, get healthier again. And then I forget something else in my life. And then I have to go back that way. Right. And then I get overly involved with that part, say cardio. 
right? And then I let something else slack. And then I'm like, oh shit, my hip actually really hurts because I haven't done much stretching in the last few years. And so I'm always going from like one thing to the other thing to the other thing. And what I find always interesting is that the brain immediately, it's like, oh, that's really sore. I wonder if I have any muscle relaxers. I wonder if I have any painkillers. And immediately you're like, fucking shortcuts. Immediately where I could just spend five to 15 minutes stretching. Like earlier this morning, Andrew and I recorded an episode. Uh, it was a movie review episode of They Live, John Carpenter's They Live. I'm very excited to get that one out. But I was barely able to move this morning. It was so funny. I'd like, you'd see me go for my coffee and be like, uh, no, <laughs> I put it back down. But it was just the idea that you have to go through it. Like you can't just avoid it you do have to go through it. You have to put in the work. It's not that the shortcut won't work in the short term, but it won't work forever. In the same way that our coping mechanisms for all our ego shit won't work forever. You can, you can spout mantras all fucking day. You can look in the mirror telling yourself positive messages all fucking day. As soon as you go outside, all that shit falls apart, right? And why? Well, because you're still carrying all that weight. You're just desperately trying to hold it up. And it's a very different experience than just recognizing that you can put it down, stretch, do a few other things where you're not thinking about yourself. And I think that's what we were saying earlier. We're so lost in that one form of exercise, let's just call it, which is the egotistical illusion that we don't do the other forms of exercise, which is putting that shit down, stretching, being in reality, doing a little meditation, right? Or just being present without constantly being something or needing to be something or needing to get somewhere or needing to worry about how other people see us, needing to succeed and measure up and all that other shit. Like, it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting just talking about it. I think the recognition that I'm always sitting in eternity has helped me with not taking the shortcuts as much because I think when we do, you know, grab for the shortcuts or they seem really uh, enticing in the moment, it's because we have a very short-term thought process. It's like immediate sort of gratification. And even within that or or beyond that, just the understanding that you know, we're going to die and, you know, maybe we got, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, 60, maybe, you know, two days or 60 years, you know, you never know. But uh, having that perspective shift from that limitation to eternity, to infiniteness, like the shortcuts don't really make much sense anymore because you see that everything you're doing in the mentality that you're in is informing everything that's happening all the time like it's as much as it's eternity it's here now is eternity like they're they're one in the same but in between that sort of the egotistical mentality is not being here and not being in eternity it's like this fucking uh in between kind of limbo purgatory i guess you could say where you're not doing things for the thing but you're also not doing it with any understanding of the fact that the mentality is going to inform everything moving forward. It's like, you're always doing it for the outcome. You're always doing it for the place it's going to get you. So in that state of mind, shortcuts make way more sense. Like, of course it's going to fix me right now. And that's it. That's the extent we discount the impact, not only of you know, working on something longer term, not taking that immediate gratification, the impacts of that, but also how how it informs our mentality and shifts us and allows us to grow 
So when you're sitting in eternity, that progressive growth that has actual impact, the building of that base, the building of, you know, long-term lifestyle shifts as opposed to just short-term, like, oh, I, I got to lose 10 pounds in, in a week. It's like, you just go crazy for a week and then it's like, okay, but you're eternal. So what good is losing 10 pounds in one week going to do when you just go back to the same sort of lifestyle? So I just find it interesting that when your perspective shifts to being eternal, like the short-term stuff, just really, it's hard for it to make any sense whatsoever. But out of that mentality, it can make a lot of sense. Absolutely. I've said before, it is probably my biggest advantage in terms of, of the trajectory of my growth is that underlying knowledge that, right, I'm eternal. Because it makes you willing to go through things the hard way or through things the long way because you recognize, right, I actually benefit more in the long run. Like you were saying, I could go nuts trying to lose weight, but then all of the stretching stuff, all of the equilibrium stuff, not just that, but I'm not cultivating a mentality that's going to build that as a habit, as a way of life, as opposed to just something that needs to be done to address a problem so I can feel better about myself. Right. So yeah, absolutely. I'm going to pass it to you anyway, Amanda. I noticed you put your hand down, but I know you had something to say. Um, I was just thinking about uh, the way that I used to view shortcuts was that I, I didn't want to pay the full price for anything. Let's say it was uh, losing weight and I, I didn't want to pay the full price of changing my lifestyle so that my lifestyle would naturally give me the results I was looking for. I would try to pay a shorter price of just cutting out carbs or going on a fad diet and then losing the, let's say, 10, 10 pounds um, only to pay a bigger price later because then I would eat a bunch of junk food or I would I would the fad diet would end horribly like they do and then I would have gained 20 pounds instead of holding on to that 10 that I lost taking that shortcut so uh, by trying to pay a shorter smaller price I ended up paying a bigger price that was more painful and harder to undo later on and it's like we're in eternity like there is no shortcut like you you have to do you have to do it the long way which is just living a lifestyle where you're always paying attention where you're always listening to your body when it says hey I need to stretch because as much as I used to pretend I couldn't listen, my body's always talking to me. My life is always talking to me. The factors, the circumstances are always talking to me. And it's, it's I choose to not pay attention. And then I end up paying bigger prices, more painful prices, when I could have just been living a life, paying attention to living that life versus just thinking of life as a means to an end. Well said. I like how you put that for sure. And I have to wonder how much of our mentality is influenced by our current, current capitalistic society, because normally we would associate paying the full price with getting the best value. But that's not true in our culture, is it? So it would almost make you skeptical of the entire process. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like the uh, the full price is how well it seemingly builds your idea of yourself as opposed to having any actual value rooted in reality whatsoever. Like that's really where we're at. That's crazy. Like with brand name stuff and all that shit and like all of these things that do the exact same thing. And yet the the span, the price range goes, you know, for a car, for example, they all do the same shit. 
especially like, you know, you can get a new car for X amount of money. I don't know, like a very solid car for $30,000. And then you can get one that does the exact same thing. Maybe not even as well for some of the shit that's like, you know, 400 grand or something. You can't even drive it on a street that has a single pothole in it because you'll, you know, bust a wheel or something. And and we've just gone so far from reality, so far from the functionality of things. And I find it very interesting just how often we do things for, you know, the exterior, for the show, for what people are going to think about us because we have it. It's like, and with that whole thing of like, as much as we own things, the things we own, own us. Like when you really start to see that, like that hits pretty hard because all the stuff that we have doesn't, I don't know, it's taken us in the opposite direction of the things that we're trying to get out of them. Like it's actually taking us further. It's just like, building a positive idea of yourself. You think you're actually doing yourself some benefit. And that's one that runs rampant through our entire society. It's like, oh, just think happy thoughts. Just, you know, tell yourself positive things. Do positivity affirmations. And it's like you're building the root of your suffering even deeper. And it's not a solid base. You're building it off of things you have to tell yourself. Like, it's just, uh, that's it's fascinating. Agreed. Mark. Well, it, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, I mean, I know, I, I think in something I read, uh, one of your ebooks or whatever about balance, you know, you need to acknowledge both, you know, don't label, first of all, you know, you label everything positive or negative, you know, that's still just an opinion. Opinions are not facts, thoughts are not facts. But, you know, I've also been mentioning lately how, you know, a lot of these things I've heard and understood for some time, but then I, there's been some kind of threshold that I've crossed where it's, where it's tangible. And, you know, and I think that that's really, you know, I try to think how, how can I, you know, when I think about how I can help, you know, for people that may not, it may not be quite so tangible yet, you know, is there a way to bring them to that point? And I'm, I think, well, no, just being involved in the conversation and being a, hopefully an example, you know, just, you know, being who I am and, and sharing that and that what we all do is the way to help others there. Uh, but when you talk about eternity and the willingness to experience things, that's one of those other things that has really, I feel like that there's some kind of a, some kind of a threshold of really feeling it that I've gotten to as well. And I want to give this example, even though it's strange, but I've thought about it recently and I was really surprised at myself. You know, I have certain opinions about where I think, you know, things might be headed or could have, you know, things that could happen in my reality or in this, you know, in this country or whatnot, you know, these worst case scenarios or however you want to describe it. And I actually used to be pretty terrified of that. I mean, you know, I am in the, uh, you know, and many of us can be in some sort of a marginalized, you know, segment of society or whatever. So you never know what can happen. But Lately, when I think about that, I have a totally different perspective. And, you know, because I used to imagine, you know, say, say some kind of disaster happened. I'll never forget when Italy was falling apart at the beginning of COVID. You know, like it basically Italy fell apart. You know, it was like, 
you know, disaster apocalypse movie. And, and then it started here, you know, and I was having these feelings of like a, a big wave just washing over, you know, like just, you know, figuratively, but like I just felt it coming, you know, for, for a little bit, because we had no idea how the U.S. was going to handle it, if the same thing was going to happen. And so I had images of society collapsing, right? And everybody out for their own and a scavenging and it being painful and, you know, and then scary thoughts about having to kill my own food and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> But it was terrifying to me, and I and I was really terrified for some time. But like lately, when I think about it, I feel totally different. It feels like I'm like, if that happens, it'll be interesting that I'm here to experience it and be part of that experience. And sure, I'm probably not going to have, I don't know how much, you know, it's probably not going to be comfortable the whole time, but I don't have that terror anymore. It doesn't mean that I want it to happen. It doesn't mean that I want everything to fall apart and I want to be out on the streets, me and my dogs in a tin can and my glasses broken, can't get any more made, can't get any medicine. You know what I mean? I, I don't want, you know, necessarily want that to happen. But if it does, I, I don't feel terrified. I don't have this dread. I'm just like, I'm just going to take it as it comes. And I have really gotten to where I'm, I'm labeling things as positive or negative less often. I mean, I definitely appreciate, I'm more comfortable with this. This sounds great. I'm going to, you know, kind of see if I can lean this way, but the things that happen otherwise, I'm, I am seeing as more of a, well, let's just see what I can do with this. You know, it's interesting. And, you know, again, sometimes I feel like saying these things, you know, sounds too good to be true, but that's really in my head. Like I really have this visceral difference. And I, I feel like, you know, when you talk about you know, like you were saying, Andrew, more willing to go through things or to go through these processes. I see it as this gathering of this. I see it more as just gathering the experience and seeing what part I can do with it. And it, it's just like when I'm at the gym now and I see everybody at the gym, I really see, you know, and there's all different people there, all in different, different levels and different reasons they're there. And I, I think about that and I think we're all just different aspects of experiencing this experience from all these different perspectives and it's just completing one big picture it's just so neat and I don't know if all that makes sense but it's like the evolution of of whenever I go whenever I'm out and you know I do all my errands on the weekends and I've been I've mentioned a few times how my perception of people has been different you know a year ago I mean I'm I'm pushing my cart through Walmart, get out of my way, don't look at me, I got to get out of here, I hate people, you know, that was me, honestly, and, uh, and, and it's different now, you know, it, it, it evolved to me, you know, looking at people and picturing myself in their position, like everybody I looked at, I'm like, I've been there, I've been sitting at the H&Bar Block booth before, I've been standing talking on the phone, blocking the aisle of my cart before, you know, I, I was relating that way, and then like, you know, as time went on a little bit, a few weeks later, I started seeing people as different aspects of one big personality. Like I'm an ass, I'm like one personality aspect seeing it this way. That's another personality aspect, more of like, we're all one, just different expressions of that one, which totally makes, you know, feels good to me right now. And it, it just keeps going that way. And I'm just, you know, like I said, it's just, I'm so, I just, sometimes I can't believe that I, I really feel these things and I'm not just telling myself. Like you say, I tell myself all this positive stuff all the time, but do I really feel it? You know, is it really in there? We can go through the motions, but I'm really feeling it. 
and it changes it does change everything like i'm not as afraid uh at all i don't have this terror i'm just like this is what it is let's see what i can do with it you know it's it does make it an adventure and it's time all the things that we talk about together it is like a game you know just like um amanda talking earlier about making certain things games it's like everything feels that way sure some of it you know is a little sharper than others but i'm still getting better at just like still kind of looking at it be like okay well that you know that was pretty rough one but let's see what i can do with it it's really neat i just can't express enough how neat it is and how it is it it does it it does it does happen. It comes. It it can come. You can you can get there. It's. I hope all that made sense. <laughs> Perfect sense. Absolutely, it makes sense. And just from somebody who's been watching the system and and felt that wave myself numerous times, specifically in two thousand eight, I remember very much in the economic collapse, going, "Oh fuck, here it comes." Um, but we've managed to limp on, we've managed to, you know, patch the holes in the ship numerous, numerous times. And it's not that things aren't going to change, but I just wanted to say, Mark, that for a long time, I, I thought to myself, fuck, how do we stop this? Cause we're on a sprint to annihilation. Like we're just dashing right for that cliff's edge. Like we're not even thinking about it and you can't stop people from being what they are. You can't stop the world from doing what it's doing, but one person at a fucking time you can change from that response of fuck it all every man for himself to, you know what? I'm going to be okay. And if you're going to be okay, when everything hits the fan, you're probably going to be able to help others. And that's how that, that annihilation changes immediately because you've changed. All of a sudden, the whole world that that's going to happen after things change, whatever it might be, and it's not going to be anything that we think that I know, it's going to be populated by people who are split between one mentality and another. And the more people who are able to look at things the way you are, the more people who are able to go, yeah, whatever it is, I'll adapt, the more we're going to be able to come together. And that's what's going to soften the blow. Because we know this house of cards can't stand forever, but we're all so afraid of it that we wouldn't be able to come together just because of that. Just because of that, that's what makes the whole ending thing so goddamn scary is because who's going to help me? Everybody around me is so fucking selfish. But if you're not, that kind of implies that others might not be as well. And that's what it comes down to, right? Being being that example. That, that hit me hard this week, that uh, idea that that's all you ever have to do, like, is be an example, be a, be a sample. Like you're at the grocery store, they got the sample platters. It's like freedom in the back. And it's like, here, this is Andrew, Mark, Amanda, and, and Ray, little, little samples of what freedom looks like. And that's all you got to do. And people are like, hmm, interesting. They seem to be having a, having a pretty good, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Not going to say what Ray just put in the chat. I will save everyone's ears. <laughs> it was funny though. Um, but it, that's all it is, is just being, a sample. It's like take a little bucket of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I'm glad we can laugh at uh at this stuff. The uh <laughs> you're, not, you're not muted right now. Just That's that, fucking so. great. Oh, oh my God. God. There's nothing better than hearing genuine laughter from anybody. That's I, I agree. Nothing <laughs> warms your heart more than a genuine reaction. That's nice. It's like For the sure. other day, you know, one of the other tier three members, I won't mention her name, but laughed accidentally. 
I just absolutely loved it. It made me feel so good to hear her laugh. And she was like, oh, I'm not on mute. And I was so glad she wasn't. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. And that's it. This is the whole point. Like these roundtables aren't meant to be some intensely serious conversation because who fucking needs that? Really? I mean, we all just want to come together and change our lives. That shouldn't be something that's necessarily constantly cerebral. It's just like working out. Like I was saying earlier, it's got to be a little bit of everything here and there. Like you have to have some serious conversations. You have to have some moments where you're crying and dealing with your shit. And then you have to have moments where you're laughing at the absurdity or dancing around because you can't. Like there's such a balance to it. And so I just wanted to throw this out as some shameless self-promotion that if you would like to join us for this very fun conversation, you can do so by being a Patreon member. Tier two and tier three members can actually join us every two weeks on these roundtable episodes. And you can be here to see what kind of terrible things I'm writing in the chat section that you currently don't get to see. Uh, yeah, it's such a, yeah, it's such an important point, and I appreciate you bringing that up because, like, people take it so seriously. We were talking to Paige about this uh, yesterday, like, with the spiritual community. It's like this drudging path to enlightenment, and there's, like, the right things you got to do, and you can't say this, you can't do that, careful who you, what you question, careful with this, and it's like, fuck all that, right? Like, goddamn people got to lighten up a little bit. And I don't mean, you know, love and light, lighten up, like fuck that stuff too. And I feel great saying fuck love and light because it's just another set of rules that you have to live by. There are no fucking rules. There's no rules to being free. If you place rules on top of being free, it's no longer free. So all this shit about like, ah, I don't know, like PC culture, like saying the right thing, not saying this, being able to say that. It's like, have sensitivity, have empathy, absolutely. But if you're living your life so concerned with, you know, ooh, I hope I don't offend this person. It's like, if that person gets offended by every fucking thing you say, fuck them, that's on them. That's something they can work on. And I love when people comment stuff like, you know, oh, this is, this is a little bit offensive or ooh, this is a little bit aggressive or ooh. And it's like, maybe you just find it aggressive because you're sensitive as fuck. And that's something, that you can work on. You can work on things in yourself. You don't have to get the whole fucking world to cater to your individual little pity preferences for the love of God, for the love of me. <laughs> That's right. It's the meek that, sh that shall inherit the earth, not the weak. Mark. Exactly. Well, no, it just reminds me again, I've shared this before, but, um, you know, every time in the past when I had you know, going on any kind of date or anything, I'm always trying to be something else, trying to, you know, trying to be whatever I thought made the person most comfortable, you know, gave me the best odds of whatever being accepted. And then, uh, you know, last, uh, I guess it was November, it was shortly before I showed up here uh, that I had a, uh, that I had a, a date where I just let it go. And I was just 100% authentic. And uh, I thought it was going to work out. And, you know, it totally didn't. And then I questioned myself like I always had for like, you know, one to two weeks. And then it was around, you know, two weeks after that when, well, that's kind of when every, my head just kind of, I don't know, whatever, whatever brought me where I needed to be started happening. And that's when I showed up in the back alley of DU. But uh, that's when I was like, wait a minute. No, I'm going to do that again. He, the other person was the person that had the discomfort. I felt great the whole time. Why? Why would I not want to do that? And why would I want to be 
spend more time with someone who didn't want me to do that. And I don't want someone else to be something different and me not know who they are for like a year, you know, so I'm going to do that from now on. And if I, it's like I mentioned recently that I was asked on a, a date again, which is, you know, very rare, but because I'm, you know, keep to myself, but I'm going to do it, but I'm going to be a hundred percent. And there are going to be some things that person's going to be surprised about. So if they stay, if they, if they stay, they stay, they go, they go, but I'm not going to play a game. I'm going to be like, look, this is how it is. You know, if you want to be in this space and hang out sometime, that's fine. But if you don't, that's fine. I'm a hundred percent fine either way, but I'm never going to go back to pretending again that that experience last November, because it had been about probably three or four years since I had even had a date before that. And, and that one, you know, would normally have just put me down for another five to 10 years. And I'd be like, no way. And I felt that way for about two weeks. And then I just came to that realization. I was like, wait a minute. No, I'm thinking about this all wrong. I had no, I had a, I had a ball. It was the other person that had the issue. And I've just got to keep that in my head. And it's like we we're all saying, if, I mean, we're making other people uncomfortable. That's their problem. If I'm not uncomfortable, then that's what I need to do. I mean, as far as being who I am now, as far as discomfort in general, that's, you know, being discomfort is, you know, product of growth. But as far as interacting with people, if someone's making me uncomfortable, that's my damn problem. It's not theirs, especially if they're being genuine. And I'm going, that's, that's what I'm going to do. So I can't wait to try it out because I have talked to this person, you know, some lengthy conversations, but they've been fairly surface, but I'm going to let it all hang out if we're in person and they're just going to, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, and I will see, but I'm not going to be fake and I'm not going to pretend and I'm not going to try and play into some kind of expectation. I'm, I've, I'm never doing that again. Uh, and I can't wait to see what happens. It's, it's again, it's kind of like a game. We'll see what happens. I'll show up. It's going to be Mark. Let's see what's up, you know, and, you know, either way, I'm going to be fine afterwards. I'm not going to be sitting here crying for two weeks. I'm just going to move on and keep doing my thing. And that's not who I was six months ago. So I can't wait to see what happens. Awesome. That's fantastic. I, I just want to say that that's how things should work out. Like when I met Melissa, for example, we never once did the whole, so do you, are we dating now? She just never left. We, we just kept hanging out until we just kept hanging out and we're still hanging out 19 years later. She just never left. There was never a commitment of like, so we're together now, right? None of that, because that's all bullshit. At the end of the day, are we committing to today? Because that's what we're, that's how we're going to make the most out of today. And that's going to determine how this relationship goes. That, and it, it's like everything else. It takes practice. Yeah, it's, it's funny how logical that is. Like, it's just straight up logic right there. And yet, almost no one does it. And that was, that was one of the funniest parts of our, our dating workshop we had a little while ago was people were commenting like, this makes so much sense. This is so logical. And why isn't anyone doing it? It's because everyone's lost in an illusion, basically. They think their values derived from fucking idea that only exists inside of their mind. But it does make so much more sense. But there's a, there's a way of seeing yourself or a letting go of yourself that allows it to make more sense. Because until then, it's like, what do you mean there's no certainty? What do you mean there's there's no guarantee? What do you mean I don't have to, I don't sign this contract? What do you mean there's no label to this relationship? Like, okay, well, that's just reinforcing all of the issues. And you're trying to 
get out of the issues by reinstilling other issues, just piling issues on top of the root of the issue as opposed to being willing to let them go. But yeah, there's there's recognitions that allow that to make more sense. And once it does, it's like doing anything else doesn't. But yeah, I'm always curious about my next relationship, what that's going to look like is I, I certainly, you know, it, it logically makes a lot of sense, but there's still just like so much societal fucking conditioning that I deal with. Certainly that like the thought of not, not to say the thought of not labeling something doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it's like being willing to ride that out and with lack of concern for whether the other person is on board or not. And like, especially if I really like the person, if like being willing to fully let them go, it's like, yeah, talk the talk, Andrew, but get someone you really, really like. And uh, let's see how well you can walk that fucking walk. <laughs> so I'm excited to find out, honestly, because it'll be a, uh, I don't know, a cool experience, I guess. Me <laughs> too. And I'm going to pass it to Amanda. I was just thinking about, you know, you guys talking about relationships and then how spirituality is so serious. And it's like, just looking at history, it's like, that's what we've been doing. That's the, that's the, the play that we have been going on stage and playing over and over again, and just changing out certain, certain scenes, certain players, names of players, but it's always been the same thing. Identities are so serious and you have to take them seriously. And you you get a million reminders every single day to be this or be that. And so like letting it go is, it makes total sense when you're doing it, but then you get reinforced, you get, you get conditioning, nonstop conditioning in every area of your life, just telling you to take things more seriously, to be more seriously, to, to be this identity, because that identity gives you um, uh, some semblance of, of certainty. But then it's like, yeah, but even when I did even when I was serious shit was still blowing up things were still not always going my way things were still uncertain there was no guarantee whether I was playing the character with 100% seriousness or whether I was playing the character loosely and just having the character as a tool because that's the same the same way I feel about identity is the same way that I feel about work now work is not this horrible curse of a thing that I have to experience just like identity is not this curse the ego is not this curse that I have to endure it's a tool and I can use that tool loosely and not take it so seriously not hold on to it with like a white knuckle grip because no matter what I choose there's never going to be any guarantee that anything's going to go a certain way so I might as well take every subject and every aspect just a little lighter have a little more fun with it and then be able to shake off the the shit hitting the fan moments because it's going to happen there's always going to be uncertainty and and we get this this narrative of like everything has to be going your way everything has to be positive and it's like no nah, fuck that that would get so boring i was like um i just moved into a new apartment and i've been so busy moving 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 and i finally everything's unpacked we're working late nights. And then I come home one day and I just fucking collapse and cry on my floor. And I'm just like, just because moving wasn't inspired by just a desire to move. It was a toxic family situation that I was moving from. And we did everything so fast. We packed up, we moved, we worked full time. We did all this stuff and we didn't have any time to process. And then I, I couldn't stay busy perpetually. So then the moment hits 
and I fucking collapsed onto my floor and I'm like, damn, it's been like a week and my family hasn't asked me about anything. We just had a, 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 a like in Massachusetts, it's just got so cold. It's been the coldest it's busy in seven years and no one asked. And I'm like, yeah, but Amanda, like we're expecting them to be unlike the way that they are. They have been this character this whole time. And we're only upset because we're, we're having a fantasy about them being the way that families are supposed to be, because I have the narrative in my head that I get conditioned over and over that families are supposed to check on you. Families are supposed to do this. Relationships are supposed to do that. Boyfriends are supposed to call you. They're supposed to tell you that you're pretty. Like, you're like, it's just, you get all these fucking stories and all they do is, is just weigh you down and then letting them go. You have to keep remembering to do that. But then I loved the fact that I cried on my floor. I fucking loved it because I got to see that I was taking myself seriously, that I was caught up in another story. And so I went from crying to fucking hysterically laughing. And it was fantastic because it was like, of course, of course we felt this way. You know, I was talking to myself. I was like, of course we're sad. Of course we want to talk to the people that we care about, the people that we've had on this whole ride this whole time. But then I had like this um, Groundhog Day moment. And I was like, if this is my life and I go through this life over and over and over with all these same people that are going through their life over and over, and it's just an eternity of going and repeating these cycles. It's like, you know what? We're going to make the most of this ride. We're going to fucking blow up this turn. We're going to do this shit better than any other turn before. We're going to, we're going to give more. We're going to love more. We're going to live more. We're going to, we're going to embrace the uncertainty. We're going to fucking cry. And then we're going to laugh. And then we're going to be furious. And it was like, I'm going to enjoy all of it because fuck man, I'm here. And I don't want it to just be positivity. And I don't want it to just be getting everything that I want all the time, because that would be fucking boring. I'm like, I want to feel the sadness because I want to feel that joy. I want to laugh. I want to cry. I want it all. It's an all or nothing deal. And so if this is Groundhog Day and we're living these cycles in in perpetuity for a fucking eternity, then I just know that I'm going to make the most of this ride. And I'm so glad that you guys are here. Fuck yeah, absolutely. And I'm just stoked to share eternity with you, Amanda. Absolutely. And everybody else here, because this really is it. This is what we're doing. There's a ripple and we're embodying it and we're becoming aware of what we're doing rather than just doing it by happenstance. I find that that's often the case in our history is that we've had some really nice people who've done some really nice things, but they've been religious. So the argument is, well, they're doing nice things because of religion. It's like, no, they're doing nice things despite religion. Like they're doing nice things out of empathy and religion is making it harder for them to do that. That's why they're not doing it to people who don't share their religion. Right. But now we are actually becoming aware of that. And I find it so very interesting that I think the biggest part of this, and Amanda, I love the way you put this, is breaking out of the mold of what we think we should be, breaking out of the mold of what we think everybody else should be. Part of the biggest, I I guess, obstacle or, or challenge of my life was the recognition that There is no such thing as what a mother should be. There is no such thing of what a father should be. There's no such thing about what a friend should be. Those are all just concepts. Those are all just cookie cutters that that are easy to grasp onto. But the older you get, the more you start to recognize that's all bullshit. And if you go into a relationship trying to be a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you're not being yourself. And so eventually you're going to start to change. And if that person doesn't change with you and question with you, you're doomed. Things are going to go to shit. I mean, this is one of the things I find so interesting about Andrew Tate, because he 
often makes this point like, well, you know, I'm out all day earning money and whatnot. I want to get home. I don't want my wife, you know, complaining at me. She should be making me dinner because that's her job because I went out all day and did this. And I'm going to tell you from somebody who's been married for 19 years, that man's never going to be married for 19 years with that mentality ever. Because for Melissa and I, there are days where she'll come home from work and I've worked all day, but frankly, she's just more stressed out. So I'll do the cooking. I'll do the dishes, right? There are no rules or roles within our mental, within our house. Like there's no jobs that she does or jobs that I do. That entire mentality is fucked. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That it reeks of expectation and more importantly, limitation. Because oh, I I couldn't possibly do that kind of work. That's that's a girl's job. <laughs> Come on. Like, are you a man or not? Man up, do the work. Like, that's very much the point. Like, it's not, it's not about whether it's a man or a woman's job. It's a job. Do it. Right? Because relationships are that. They're growth over time, which requires adaptation. But you can't adapt and hold on to an idea of yourself. So it's like everything else, whether you're being a boyfriend or you're a girlfriend or you're a father or you're a mom, do you have the strength to not be that thing? Do you have the resolve to constantly question that idea of whatever those things are and not be them? Because that's how you'll get organic growth. That's how you'll actually be yourself. But as soon as you try to be, say, a father, and I can say that from my own perspective, the best moments I've had with my daughter are the moments where she recognizes that dad is an idea, that the person who's standing in front of her is another human being who's been here longer. That's all. And in that we can relate. But as long as I'm viewed as dad, that's an authority figure. There's a gap. You can feel that gap. And so my biggest job is getting rid of that gap and constantly reminding her I'm just another person. I'm not dad as much as I am. That is not a thing. And so I think that's so important in so many things that we get into. Friendships as well. You know, how many times you know, oh, a friend doesn't act that way? Sorry. Obviously a friend does. Uh, and, and through that, cause those labels kind of reinforce themselves, the labels you have of other people and then the label you have of you. So as long as you're holding on to a mother should be this way, a friend should be this way. You have an idea of yourself inevitably saying I should be this way. And then you try and live up to that. You try and, I don't know, almost like reinforce it as you go, try and make sure that everything you do fits into that because that's how you should be. You, you built an idea and now you should be that idea for the rest of your life. And as you said, it's the most limiting thing you can ever do. And we don't recognize that all of it is made up. Everything about our entire society, about the roles that we play, about, you know, having a family, like a, you should have a family. A family should act this way. It's like the word family, the idea of family is completely made up. Like, we're just a bunch of close to monkeys running around and we've labeled a bunch of stuff and created a bunch of ideas and, and roles and expectations and all of these things on top of the reality of things just being. Things just are. It just is. All of the labels, all of the expectations that come with those labels, with those roles are made up. You don't have to keep bringing them into every situation because 
anytime you do, anytime you have an idea of what a mother should do or a friend should do or a sibling should do or a teacher should do or or any of that comes back to your desire for certainty, your desire for comfort and an inherently un, uh, uncertain reality. And And if you can't come to terms with that, with the uncertainty, you're always going to be uncomfortable. As you come to terms with it, you become more comfortable with with everything. But yeah, I mean, that was on a one of my first mushroom trips. It just hit me over and over like, oh my God, things just are. It just is. It's funny. That was only like, that's ah, a little over a year ago now. But how before then there was still a lot of roles and still, you know, today, I'm not saying that they've all gone away. There's absolutely still a shitload of those in there, but there's certainly less. I, I certainly recognize them more quickly when I am clinging to an expectation or a role because, you know, the alternative is not knowing the alternative is having to sit in uncertainty, which is, which is freedom. But, you know, it, it's like the, uh, the ticket to open the gate to freedom is relaxing into that uncertainty. And so few are willing to face uncertainty for what it is and let go of the, the certainty and the, the false comfort that comes with clinging to roles and expectations because there's inevitably pitfalls every single time. Absolutely. I just want to reiterate that I'm very much looking forward to when you get into another relationship or even just start knocking on the gate specifically about the conversation. It's like, so are you my boyfriend? And you'll be, well, I just am. I'm really looking forward to hearing about that response. Mark. Well, and it gets really exciting, doesn't it? I mean, like, aren't you like excited just to see what you do in the next situation like that, Andrew? It's like, I'm really like, you know, I'm just like, I can't wait to see what I do. I don't know what I'm going to do in this state of mind, but I really can't wait to see. And I can't wait to see how the other person reacts, whatever it is. I just can't wait to see it. It's going to be so interesting. But, you know, and I wanted to just echo too what, what, we, what we said, like, you really have to realize in yourself and acknowledge that everything really is truly made up, like 100% made up. Roles, everything, it's all made up. I can't remember if it was on a Zoom call or a Patreon call or in Discord that someone brought up once. What if you just appeared somewhere, there was no anything around, and you just appeared there and just had to make your own way? There were no concepts, no anything. And, you know, would it turn out like this? Who knows? But all this stuff's made up. I mean, you wouldn't have anything to base anything on, but we all have all this stuff that's laid on us from all the of history of people making things up and it's just thrown on top of us. And we think that it's fact and it's, and this is the way it's meant to be and the way everything was designed to be, but it 100% isn't. So we just made it up and a bunch of people said, cool, <laughs> you know, we'll do it. But the other thing I wanted to comment on is, and it's it's not the first time you mentioned it, Ray, but it reminds me when you speak of your, you know, your daughter seeing you as another human, it reminds me of my parents. You know, my, my mom's been gone for 20 years. My dad's been gone for 10. And uh, when, my, when my mom died, I was in my early 30s. I was just starting to figure out that they were human beings at that point, barely, like, maybe a few months and my mom was gone. So that one was particularly difficult. But with my dad, I had 10 more years. And but my dad had always been, you know, the breadwinner. You don't sass him. He's the one that does all the punishment. No questions asked. Doesn't talk much, you know, eats, sits on the couch, go to bed, gets up, goes to work, gets you out of, you know, 
That's what it was my whole life. I mean, I loved him. He was great, but I was scared to death of him. Scared to death. Never could relate whatsoever. But after my mom died, and, you know, I, and I told myself, you know, no matter what, you know, I was realizing I'm going to be there. You know, I'd been through all my college craziness where I didn't go around for years. And I had just started kind of getting over that when my mom passed. But I was like, you know, I'm going to be around here and see what's up with my dad. And I watched him. You know, he didn't feel like he had anything to prove to me, to anyone anymore. He didn't have a role he had to feel. It was just him. So, you know, I watched him go through all the vulnerability, all the, you know, of going through dealing with my mom's death. And then a few years after that, I watched him, you know, he was just a person. You know, he was asking me questions about just life, you know, that I don't think he'd ever pondered before. He was going out on his own trying to figure out how can I interact with people more? I wonder if I can meet somebody to hang out with. I wonder if this person likes me, you know, and just having these, these, these normal things. And it was the most amazing, amazing thing to see that man that way. And to think that how, and it wouldn't, I mean, all it did was increase my respect, you know, at that point. And I, and sometimes, and I don't have any remorse for the way anything went with the way I was brought up or relation, you know, our relationship and how it evolved. I mean, I'm just appreciative for the whole journey, but I do think about sometimes what if I did feel or see him as more of a human being from an earlier age, as opposed to my enemy, you know, or my, you know, whatever, what if I did have more, more of a perspective of that, how would our relationship have been? Because when I, you know, I saw him, it was just, it was like seeing him go through life all over again and like discover things like a teenager almost and, and, and even go through insecurity, which I had never seen my dad be insecure, but he was like, well, I wonder if she'll like my hair. You think I should grow a beard? Should I dye my beard? You know, and I was just like, wow, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And I'm so thankful. And it's, it's just, it, it really means a lot. And every time you talk about that, I'm just, it's just neat. It's just neat to think about because it does make a difference. Just seeing your parent as another person that doesn't have all the answers, just has been here longer <laughs> and you're in it together. It's neat. Yeah, it is. But admittedly, like, especially for the older generations, because they were so steeped in the idea that your idea of yourself is so important, they almost couldn't even tell their children, you know, I'm just a person. I'm just another human being. The idea of letting go of authority was not something that was comfortable because how else do I teach my kids? You know, everybody else is over here saying, spare the rod, spoil a child, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's really hard for a parent to, you know, <laughs> take away their own power as it were and, and take away that authority, but it is so important. And I think that's, that's something that we're doing. Like even you were just saying, like, you're going to go out on a date and in that date, you're going to be a human being instead of trying to be someone's partner, instead of trying to be something or fit into a certain role, you're just going to be yourself. And you're going to communicate that to the other person. Like, I'm just being myself, regardless of where this fucking goes. It's just me. Right. And that changes their life that changes the entire field in terms of dating, right? And so each and every person who's willing to question themselves openly with other people to actually be vulnerable and go, you know, that idea that you've got, as nice as it feels, it's not me, right? Because that's it, is that when people have an idea of you and it is overly simplistic and they do want to see you a certain way and it discounts all of your negatives because it's their ideal, you really do want to go like, yeah, that's me, that cookie cutter right there, it's totally me. No need to question any further, right? Because 
you don't want to look at your own insecurities. But as soon as you realize they're not insecurities, they're just you. They're just you going through shit. There's nothing to be insecure about. Then you don't, you don't mind saying, I'm not that. The thing that you've got in mind is definitely not me. And if you want it to be me, this is never going to work out. So we might as well just cut this shit now and let you know I'm a person and I'm never going to be that thing. And then at least you've got a chance. But I think that's it. The world is changing because there's more of us, not just on, on the, the adult side, willing to tell our partners, willing to tell our children. But because of that, there are more children, frankly, that are growing up looking at their parents and asking them questions that the parents aren't necessarily happy about. Like one thing that makes me really happy about dualistic unity is the sheer number of teenagers that are listening to dualistic unity, because those are teenagers that are very shortly going to start asking their parents, don't you think you're getting a little attached to this idea of yourself as an authority though? Because I think that's, that's a really important question for parents. Like, do you think maybe we can get rid of this gap between us so we can just be two human beings having a conversation? Because I'm no longer a toddler. You don't have to watch whether or not I'm going to stick my finger into an electrical socket or I'm going to bang my head on the bottom of the table. Like I'm actually growing up and facing the world. And so maybe we could talk about things like that. Maybe we could talk about things on equal footing, even though I don't have the same experience. I'm certainly having a similar experience. But again, it requires both parties to have a certain degree of courage as well. And I think that that is easier to some degree when we know it's going to be at least received and, and often it's not. And that's the only problem is that often it's not. And I find it so interesting going back to your dad very quickly, because again, parents from an older generation, this was often the case. They would play the role of dad and the role of dad was you never show insecurity, right? You're never wrong. You're always you know on it, regardless of what it is, buck stops here that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden you let go of that role and all that insecurity comes up because you're not playing that, that show anymore. You're not wearing that mask. So it's almost like even just taking on a role stunts our growth. It's like we actually have to go back to where we were before we even started in that role just to continue on our, our growth and revolution. And isn't that interesting? Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely found that with, uh, my parents, it's been interesting, like, since growing up, I've always been very close with my family. And since, uh, you know, I, I definitely resonate with a lot of what you were saying, Mark, but since being older, you know, I'm 27 now, like, I'm certainly not a fucking kid anymore. And so there I have had conversations actually with with my dad. This is when I was like, 21. And he was kind of telling me like, Andrew, I'm, I'm here for you, you know, when, when you need it, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in the same role anymore. Like I'm, I'm I'll always be your dad, but it's not like the same type of thing. Like I'm, I'm not going to be giving my advice unless you ask for it, basically that sort of thing. And it, it was interesting. And over the last, you know, since then kind of through my twenties, I've, I've recognized more and more that they are just people they are just humans and it's funny because people will go a lot of their life not recognizing that like they always see them in that role and the parents are typically okay with being seen in that way and you know my mom i think her favorite thing in the world is being a mom so she's at a whole other side of things whereas my dad's like you know comes from i don't know a, a background with a bunch of siblings and they were all kind of fending for themselves throughout most of their life so he's like but being a parent, like, no, you guys are fucking adults. Like, go do your thing. Um, whereas my mom will will take every every uh chance she gets to 
keep being a mom. Um, but it's been kind of, that dynamic has been interesting. And just like the conversations, how they've evolved have been interesting because we're, we're now having discussions from equal points of view and there definitely is still, you know, some underlying as much as they will say that, you know, they're not the roles anymore. There's still, you know, the underlying sort of idea, like I've been around longer sort of thing. It's like, yeah, but I have, I have my experience too. And I talk about things, think about things a lot, have a lot of fucking conversations with people talking in depth about a lot of different things. And so for me, there hasn't been, you know, I don't really hold back much. And sometimes there is some insecurity on the other end of that because they recognize that they no longer have this sort of like objective, objectively more knowledge of things. Like I'm coming at things with a very different perspective a lot of times and coming at things having chewed on them quite a bit, significantly more than than the stuff they have. And even, even when it comes to like nutrition, like I've been into nutrition and, and understanding the body and how, you know, weight gain, weight loss, health and all that stuff works. Um, for a, a lot of like, before I started talking about this stuff, I was, I was way more into that, like fitness and nutrition type stuff. And I did a shitload of research. Like I was always reading stuff about it, reading articles, watching videos. And so coming at all different sorts of conversations, like I, I am, equipped with a lot more understanding, I think, of things than I used to be growing up. And so it's just been interesting seeing that dynamic shift. But even still with the shift, with being like fully a grown ass adult now out of like, you know, the college age adult and and whatnot, is there still like some clinging to the roles to a degree and thinking like, Sometimes there's still a, oh, I know, I know what's best. And it's like, well, let's talk about it. How about, and at least there's a conversation now. And, and, you know, sometimes my emotions flare to a degree with different things, but um, there are a lot more conversations. And I think the willingness to have a conversation and, you know, be aware of where everyone's coming from and kind of, I think I've gotten better at having that sensitivity for where people are coming from. Kind of like you were saying, Ray, with certain roles, you know, back, you know, older generations, the role of dad was like, you didn't show sensitivity. You didn't show vulnerability. Whereas I'm like, on the other end, I'm like, fucking vulnerability is a strength. Let's be more vulnerable out here. Let's show our, you know, true colors all the time. Um, there's still remnants of that. Um, and I think, myself understanding that has allowed me to just be a little bit more sensitive, not out of a feeling like I, I need to be, but just a sense, like a strategic way. If I'm being aggressive and my emotions are flaring, it's not, it's not being a good sample of what freedom mm. is like, and there's a time and a place not to say that there never is, but, um, I've been a little bit better about being strategic with that, but yeah, parental roles, especially are always an interesting thing to navigate. Yeah. You gotta be careful. Not everybody likes the spicy sample. Amanda. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, spicy sample. No, but um, uh, thinking about just all the roles and particularly parents, because they're so, e you're so easily triggered because you're, you're, you put them on a pedestal. 
not only you do that naturally, but you're conditioned to put them on a pedestal, they put themselves on the pedestal, and then they try to maintain it, then it just creates all this conflict. And so, you know, what I what I have realized in seeing my parents is just that, you know, they did the best that they could with what they knew, with how they were raised, with the with the trauma that they went through, with the shit that they couldn't let go of, with the way that life, you know, made them feel like they were getting beaten up. And it was like, they did the best that they absolutely could. And for me to think like, oh, I wish they did this or what would our relationship had been like? Like, I get that, Mark. I, I have felt that so many times. But it, it ultimately, I came to the realization that, you know, they did their absolute best, no matter how that looks to me, no matter how that looks to society, no matter how that looks to the cookie cutter family dynamic of mother should do this and dad should do this and daughters, good daughters should do this or good son should do this. It's like everybody is doing the best that they can. And the most, the greatest gift I can do is I can just create space. I can create space for the relationship to evolve. I can create space by not living up to an idea because I'm a human. I'm not an idea, but so are they. They're not my idea. And so if I create space by, by showing them that I'm more than that idea, then they can be more than their idea of what I think of them, of what they think of themselves. And, and, and it's out of that space that I feel like naturally that resilience is, is born. And it just keeps me going because I'm like, if I, if I can just really understand that there is no problem, everyone's doing their best and it doesn't have anything to do with my preferences or how I view it or my perspective. If I can just always remember that everyone's doing their best and I can just create space, things are just going to change. It's not going to be the same shitty story on repeat, whether that's your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. It's like, Create that space, embody that space, be more than an idea because you are, and things are just going to naturally evolve. And so that's why I love the idea of uh, that spatial resilience or spatial toughness, because it's not in the idea and it's not in my responses. It's in the space that I embody, in the space that I create, that things just naturally change and they get better. So dealing with my family, it's like, yes, they have an idea of me, and then I can just not really take that idea too seriously. I can still be the human that I am and I can act like there is no problem because there isn't. And just by, just by doing that, they can't help but res respond differently. But if I continue to act like their idea and my ideas are, are where we have to start and stop, it's like, then things are always going to be tough. I'm never going to get through to them. And so just by having that extra little bit of space, things are just naturally changing and it's just fantastic. And I'm just very curious to see how that evolves in all areas of my life. It's just, just creating more space and seeing what happens when more space is available. And you don't really have to do much more than that. No, not at all. And that's the, you know, the counterintuitive part is we're so used to looking at the, how is it going to work out? It doesn't dawn on us to just let it work out, but it really does work out in that way that the more you free yourself the more you're able to free others from your expectations which might give them the opportunity to free themselves and free others by virtue of that and we've started a cascade just like that just through being a little bit more free in yourself i'm really loving this conversation we do have a question in the comments section i do want to bring it up i'm going to pass it around from one person to the other because it's a great question uh i just had one question which i just brought up how do i live more in the present now this is a comment or a question that we get 
quite frequently. Most of the podcast revolves kind of around this insight. If you haven't yet, do check out episode one of Dualistic Unity and all of season one because it really goes in depth in this. But uh, you asked. And so we're going to explore that question right now. Amanda, we're going to start with you. How do I live more in the present? Uh, check if you're caught up in a story is how I is how I try to I'm like, am I, am I, am I lost in thoughts? Am I lost in a mental quicksand or am I actually here? And that's what I usually will check in on myself because thoughts will feel like a, like a river and there's such a strong current. And before I even realize it, I've been carried by my thoughts. And so I always ask myself, I'm like, am I here or am I thinking about here? Am I thinking about what here is supposed to be or what it should be? And that's what I always constantly ask myself. I'm like, are we, are we in a story again? fuck, we got caught up in a story. That's all right. That's all right. What are we doing? Oh, that's right. We're supposed to be working. Oh, that's right. I'm cooking fucking spaghetti. It's like, whatever. Like I, I just ask myself, am I caught up in a story or am I actually in the moment? And it's just constantly checking, constantly paying attention because you, I go on autopilot. I can't help it. It's just, you know, uh, I was reading today and it's like, we get 40 billion, um, no, it's 11 billion bits of information going through our eyes every second, every fucking second, people, 11 billion bits of data go into your eyes every second. And you at best can deal with 40, 40, 40 out of those 11 billion. So if you think that your brain is not looking for a shortcut, it just can't help it because there's too much information coming in. So we're always on autopilot, not only through the narrative, but just because out of default. So it's like, just keep checking in. Damn right. Good answer. I'm not going to add anything to it. I'm going to pass it straight to Mark. Mark, how do I live more in the present? Well, it's interesting. I, um, <clears throat> I've uh, recently been starting to try to you know, increase my little local ripple just a little bit. So I posted something on Facebook today, and then I also shared it as a reflection in one of my meeting with my staff uh, today. And it's not anything that's novel. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I've read it a million places, so I didn't do any artistry here. But basically, this is what I think about. I mean, this is helps me a lot. So everything is what it is right now. And I do tell myself that all the time. Well, I used to, it's getting, I don't even have to tell myself that now I'm realizing it without having to remind myself that it just is what it is. It is, is, is. Judging what is right now as good or bad does not change the fact that it is. Thinking about the past or how you wish something was compared to what it is accomplishes nothing. And that's how I spent a lot of my time before. Uh, making up scenarios about what could be does not change what is right now. I'm really good at making up lots of scenarios. That's what I spent a lot of my time doing. Um, <clears throat> I'm obviously, I live in the middle of this. I didn't type all that out. Taking action right now is the move that will change your current circumstance and move you forward to the next now. So, you know, and I've mentioned this before. I think that if you're not in the present right now, then most likely what you're doing is thinking about the past, thinking about whether you'd really be where you'd rather be, thinking about how you wish things were, making up scenarios that you wish they were, but you're not thinking about now. Because if you're right now, you can't be thinking about the past. You can't be thinking about imaginary scenarios in the future. But that's what we all do all day, all time. I mean, I think that's what I did 24-7. But I'm not really doing that now. And so I can't help but be here right now. And yes, it took a little bit of time, but you know, you just got to, I think you have to really start watching yourself and realize how much of your time you're actually spending wishing you were somewhere else 
or wishing something was different or wish, you know, or hoping it's something besides what it is. And when you finally let all that go and you're just like, it is what it is. There is nothing else but imaginary stuff or me remembering stuff that already happened that isn't even pertinent now and doesn't change anything about now. You know, that's what it that's what works for me. I just think you'll be shocked though if you actually put some effort into looking at how often your thoughts are not right now because they're on the past or an imaginary future. That's 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 what I think. And I totally agree with what Amanda said as well. I thought that was great. There's just all kinds of wisdom here today. This is great. Andrew. Uh, I know this is a nice little throw around here. I I mean you guys covered all of it super well. Um just to just to add on to what has already been said, it's important to recognize that the present is not something that you can't experience. So there isn't a actively there isn't an active process of becoming present. It isn't a moment that you enter that you had left and now you need to get back into. Being present is what's left when you let go of all of the things that are taking you out of the present or giving you the illusion that you're not always here now. The, the ideas in your head, the story of you that you tell yourself with you know strengths, weaknesses, opinions, thoughts about what's to come, fears about what was, regrets about what's been, which lead to fears about what is to come. What, you know, what if it didn't exist? What if what if you were just born right now? What if what if that entire idea that you've held on to wasn't that it that it never actually was you, you know, and you were just here. You were just dropped on earth into this moment right now. Would you be all right? Yeah, of course you would. Be totally fine. You'd be probably better <laughs> better than fine because you don't have so much of a story anymore, but for me, I think the the first thing I remind people is that you can't not be present. And so what stories, as Mark and Amanda have alluded to, what stories are you telling yourself that are hindering your ability to just be where you're at? Because we're always telling ourselves a story. And so I think understanding the mechanisms of what our tools do, you know, the mechanism of our brain to try and be certain about all of the fleeting thoughts, understanding that that's what it does. So it isn't something you have to fight, not something you have to silence. It's just something you have to understand. And then you can see that, oh, that's just what it's doing. But that doesn't mean that it is what it is. That doesn't mean it's the reality of what is. And as you understand that, you know, the thoughts going through your mind, they're just the brain processing things. You can you can notice them, but you don't have to take them seriously. And so the less seriously you take all the things that are that feel like they're forcing you out of the present, that are taking you somewhere that isn't here now, as you take them less seriously, they they hold a lot less weight. And that's a practice in in itself. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not like all of a sudden you're gonna go from taking everything super seriously to recognizing that none of them are the truth. But through that initial recognition that all of the thoughts that you have about yourself are never the truth, any positive or negative idea of yourself are, neg- are never the truth because they all take you out of where you're at, or at least seem to. And that's the power of our mind is that it can take us somewhere that isn't here now. We can imagine a scenario that isn't here now, but it's never the reality of what you are ever, 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 ever. The thoughts about you are never the truth of what you are. And understanding that will allow you to take them a lot less seriously. And it's that idea 
of you that is the root of what's able to take you out of the reality of where you always are, which is here now. There's nowhere else you've ever been and there's nowhere else that you'll ever possibly be. That was well said. I like it because it's a bit of a a perspective shift. I find it really funny because we spend so much time thinking like, how do I get more into the present? How do I become more present? And it really isn't about becoming more present. It's about recognizing how often you're running from the present and you're doing so because of your opinions of how it feels. Because if you didn't think about the present, you would be left with it. And immediately your brain goes, well, what do I think of this? And now you've left the experience of being in the present because you're thinking about it, right? But if you just allowed yourself to sink into the experience that you're having without immediately giving into your urge to have an opinion of it, it would start to feel different. You would start to find that space. And in that space, you'd start to learn how to operate. But the problem is that you're telling yourself you're trying to get somewhere as a way of avoiding it. Uh, how funny is that? Oh, man. It's like trying to get to enlightenment. You know, it gives us something to strive for, and it takes us out of the reality of it in each and every moment, or at least hinders our ability to recognize that it's where we're at always. Because you can't, again, even when you feel like you're not in the present, and I keep saying, like, it takes you out of the present. It doesn't. It gives you the perception that you're not there, but we're always, like, like the uh, mechanism of the ego and the mind is always to add more. So we think being present is something we have to actively do. It's like, you don't have to do anything. And it, it's like also recognizing that you're always in flow, like everything's always happening perfectly. And, and your ability to how clearly you can see that is going to inform your experience. We're always caught up in thinking that things aren't exactly as they're, you know, I say supposed to be, but they just are as they are. And that's, they just are as they are. And you are where you're at. You can't be anywhere else. You can't experience anything other than what you're experiencing. So you might as well let go of your resistance to it. Even when you're experiencing something else other than what you're experiencing right now, that's what you're experiencing right now. You can't experience anything else. You can't be anywhere else. But your thoughts that you should be somewhere else is what causes that suffering, is what takes you out of that recognition that you're always just where you're at. And you might as well sink more deeply into that. And as you sink more deeply into that recognition, let go of the resistance to it, it gets lighter. It gets easier to, to move around and, and go through the highs and the lows when you don't have so much weight, that weight being the resistance to whatever you're experiencing right now. And, and as you let go of that resistance, as you accept where you're at, it doesn't mean that everything just like turns into puppies and rainbows, but it does allow you the clarity to see all of the options that are available to move through. Before then, you know, as you're resisting, you only see the path that you're on, but there's an infinite number of paths in each and every moment. And so dropping that resistance to it allows you to see them. It doesn't make everything incredible immediately, but it drops the weight, drops that, you know, lessens the, the solidity of the veil. You can actually see other options. And that's what allows you to shift and change and grow more seamlessly with less resistance through your life. It's letting go of the resistance that allows for the change that's always been happening to just happen a little bit more easily. Nice. Mark. 
just to further reiterate everything that we all just said, the biggest problem is we think we have to have an opinion about everything. We have to assign it positive or negative. Then we have to sit here and think about how much we hate it or how much we wish it was something else or why wasn't it this or and when you stop, and I, I, I've already said this tonight, but I am a case in point. This changed for me. I don't see things the same way because I'm not sitting here judging them. And I, I see things differently. I don't see things as positive or negative. Everything's an opportunity, even if it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to break my leg. But you know what I'm saying? It's still like, what am I going to do with this? This is interesting. I'm here right now. No matter what I think about it, it's still right now. And if I don't deal with it, I'm just going to stay in it until I until I address it and move on. You know, I just need to take action. My opinion of it makes no difference. It's not going to make it go away. Only only me being here and addressing what's in front of me is going to move me to the next one. So, you know, it's about we just want to label everything and then we want to sit and, and we want to sit and and just steam in our labels and just keep just going over it and over it as opposed to just dealing with what's in front of us and, and paying attention and moving on to the next thing. And it and everything you all said, it really does happen. It does change. It does. And yes, it's not overnight, but it freaking happens. That's the thing is that we're not just saying this. It really does happen. You just have to, you just have to keep being there and, and talking through things. And as as a, as we all always say, question things and just keep at it, but it will happen. Trust me. It's a hundred percent that it evolves. It's not just some concept. It really isn't. I love that you reiterated that Mark, because it really is. There's a switch where all of a sudden you just get it. It's like, you've been struggling, you've been struggling, you've been struggling. And then you're like, Oh, there it is. And I often love the messages that we get from people where they say something like, you know, I've studied Taoism or philosophy for 10, 15 years, and none of it ever clicked until this episode at this moment, when somebody said it this way, and it's like, that's what we're doing. We're just revolving through all the possible combinations. That's all we're doing, waiting for something to click, right? So we're just going to keep talking while you go through those combinations until that thing clicks, and then everything changes for you. Everything suddenly switches over to a totally different perception. But it really is just getting to that point. And if you don't feel like you're there yet, it's just because you're still carrying yourself. That's really all it is. And you will learn to put it down. You'll have a moment of insight where you go, oh, fuck, that's what they mean. And that's that's exactly what it's going to be. You're like, oh, I've been looking at this the wrong way or not the wrong way, but just a way that it wasn't intended to look like or that hasn't been communicated because of assumptions, because of how I look at myself, all that stuff. We all go through it. You know, for me, I went through it after a decade of hell. So I come out the other side going, did I really have to go through all that? But on the other hand, really grateful I went through all that because of that switch. All of a sudden you hit that switch and everything that you went through up until that point that you've been resentful about and hating and suffering through and all that other stuff, you're just like, thank God for that shit. And it's just because it finally got you there to here and now where you've always been. Yeah, it is so funny the the journey as you go through it. You know, it, it it's almost like the desire to be there is what keeps us from recognizing it until we do more and more clearly. It's like we we have this perception when we're going through a ton of suffering that you know, enlightenment is like 
way over here, like way down the road. And then as we get a little bit clearer, we're like, oh, maybe it isn't as far. And then it's like, we're not actually, it's just our perspective of it that's shifting, that's getting closer and closer. But the entire time we were always there. And so we're always sitting in it. And it's like, you start going through it, whatever, you're suffering a little bit less. It's like, it's over here. And it's like, oh yeah. It's like, you think that you're getting further, but it's just getting closer, right? Oh, fuck. (laughs) I've never thought about it like that. That's fucking funny. So we have the perspective that it's like this, that we're getting to it. And the whole time it's just our perspective of it getting closer to us. And that's all it's ever come down to is how far we feel like it is away from us. And there's absolutely, you know, walls and and barriers and, and all this fucking shit that we have to go through a lot of times to recognize that it's always been where we're at. I'm not discounting that process, that unraveling of all the things that we cling to. And then we go, you know, in and out, getting caught up in shit as we go. But it, it does come down to that. It just comes down to the recognition that you've always been there. But as soon as you recognize that, a lot of times there is a frustration like, fuck, it's always, oh, it's always been there. Oh, I went through all that. Oh, but it's like, that's how you recognize. Like those are inherently necessary to that process. It's not any lost time. It's all informing it. It's all building the base. Because if you were born, you know, not just born with that, you are more or less born with that recognition. You've taken away. It's like, as we, as we go through building our identity, it's like that idea gets further and further. And then eventually maybe it gets closer and closer, but we have this idea that's getting further and then we're getting closer to it. And it's just coming back to us because we still have the perception of, of me going through that path until we recognize that, that we don't have to anymore. And so if you are frustrated with feeling like you're not getting it, you're already there. And that doesn't sound great when you don't feel like you're there, but you are. And it's not about getting anywhere. It's about letting go of all the things that are making you feel like you aren't there right now. Really, is it? It's about just letting go of all of that. Never about adding anything. You're already everything. What could you possibly add to that? My God, that's so funny because the perception that we have is that we have to get to the here and now. We have to get to the here and now, but it's because of this illusion that we have of ourselves, which separates us from everything that is here and now. So we're not going anywhere. And it's not that the circle is tightening around us. It's not like the, the universe is getting smaller. It's just that we're getting closer and closer to accepting that we're it. And that's the acceptance of you couldn't possibly be anything but the here and now. There's nowhere to go. And as soon as you let that go, you can start to play with it and actually enjoy yourself. Well, this has been a fantastic roundtable, roundtable number 11. I'm really enjoying these new formats. Absolutely. Anybody who would like to join us in two weeks time, we will be doing this again. We would love to see you. All you have to do is join us at patreon.com slash dualistic unity tier two or tier three gets to join us on these roundtables. You also get a ton of other benefits. There's discounts on our retreats. There's discounts on our workshops. There's some merch that you receive, some stickers and stuff. There's all kinds of benefits. And of course, you get to chat with us two, maybe four times a week in our group discussions. And so you will be a much bigger part of this 
ongoing discussion about where we've always been. <laughs> so we very much appreciate everyone being here today. Amanda, Mark, as always, you inspire me. Yes, this has been a blast. I really love all of these uh, roundtable episodes and especially with Mark and Amanda. I love you both very much and always enjoy going back and forth. These these things fly by with everything we get into and, and just the ease of it is a lot of fun. Like the the lack of weight <laughs> that we're all carrying is really, uh, I don't know, you feel it through this and that's what it comes down to. It's never been about fucking serious discussions. It's about taking it lightly, taking yourself lightly because that makes everything a whole lot easier but i appreciate you both very much for joining us this has been a blast yeah absolutely and just a reminder to anybody listening that if you would like to participate you also get to see what kind of inappropriate comments i put in the chat section so on that note we're going to end this end this here if you can join us we're going to be doing another group in 15 minutes on patreon for an hour and a half so you can chat with us about all the content that we went through here or you can bring up something new whatever you'd like we'll see you there Bye, everyone.